0: having your Bibles this evening. I hope you turn with me to two different passages of Scripture, one in the book of Isaiah chapter number 14, the book of Isaiah chapter number 14, and also we'll be looking in the book of Numbers chapter 16, Isaiah chapter number 14, and also the book of Numbers chapter 16 this evening. Good to be in the Lord's house this evening. Good crowd for a Thursday night. What a blessing to see each and every one of you here This evening, I wasn't sure how many was going to show up after last night, but it sure is good to see each and every one of you here this evening in the services. We hope you will grab one of the prayer cards, pray for the Aguiar family. If the Lord permits, tomorrow night, I'm going to be preaching a message on how God took a tragedy in our life and made a blessing out of that tragedy. So we hope that you'll be back, Lord permitted, tomorrow night. It'll be our last service in these few days that we've had together with you, and uh, we hope that you'll come back tomorrow night as uh, we'll be preaching the message of the Word of God. We appreciate the church, all that's been done for us, everything on our behalf. But we do ask, if you will, pray for the Aguiar family. We have many churches that we'll be working with this next year, once again, trying to help, encourage, strengthen, could I say probably the greatest need in churches I would say the thing the devil's using more than anything is the thought of discouragement. You'd be amazed how many pastors are discouraged. You'd be amazed how many workers in the church are discouraged. How many soul winners are discouraged. How many uh, Sunday school teachers, many other different folks, discouragement. And I've seen many churches, as they've preached the Word of God, come down to nothing. Because they allow the discouragement to take hold and they kept the discouragement in. The Bible says that we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Could I say we're not on the winning side, but we're on the side that's already won. And it's time the church begins to claim victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we appreciate your prayers as we help churches. I remember one of the churches that we uh, went to help was the Calvary Independent Baptist Church over in Jackson, Alabama, a small church, probably running about 22, 25 folks or so. And uh, they just was able to purchase a building, very cheap price. It was a a warehouse-type structure, but uh, was able to fix it up, made it look pretty nice, had a lot of room in it. And uh, it was just amazing how God opened the doors of, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around 20 some 1000 dollars, and it was larger than this building, Could you imagine that, Brother Harvey, having a building just for 27,000, larger than that? But they bought it and uh, was able to fix it up, put very little money in it, and and God began to bless there at that church. And uh, uh, the preacher called me with a small crowd. He said, Brother Aguiar, we need some help on some things. Can you come over and help us? So we went ahead and planned a little bit of time. I think we planned for about two and a half weeks. And he wanted us to preach a revival at the end of those two and a half weeks. But uh, uh, during the daytime of the uh, other weeks, we began to work on the building. And there was two bathrooms they needed to have redone. And so we began to tear out the bathroom. Sometimes it's easier just to tear everything out. You know, it's something like a Christian's life. Sometimes it's good just get rid of all the old junk and just put some new things in. It really is. But anyway, we began to tear out the old bathrooms and uh, all the different odds and ends, and we had to replace quite a bit of the flooring and things of that nature from leaks and odds and ends of that nature. But, well, after a little bit of time, we was able to go ahead and repair both the bathrooms completely, put in new closets, put in a lot of different things in there. When it was finished, the preacher said, Brother Aguirre, I'm going to ask a favor of you. We are a Baptist church, and we need a baptism pool. And uh, he said, we have been using the creek, and the creek's been pretty good, except in January, February. You say, well, Brother Aguiar, that's just one time the, the people have to get in. Have you ever thought about the preacher? I mean, just think about it. And uh, he was asking me, he said, is there any way that you could build a baptistry? And so I started thinking for a moment, and we was going to, I was thinking about maybe cement block, and then fiberglass in it, or wood and fiberglass, a lot of different things. But uh, as we begin to think, I was driving down the road on the left-hand side. In fact, I've seen them here even in, the, in this state. They have a septic tank. Now, I'm thankful it was a new septic tank. I really am. I, I am thankful for that. But it's a it, you've probably seen it driving on 195 or one of these roads I was on. I don't know. Uh, but the yellow septic tank holds about 1,200 gallons. And if you look at it, it's about 7 foot long. About five foot wide and about four and a half foot deep. It's just about right to get a person underwater and, and get them baptized. And so we went ahead and took that septic tank and uh, brought it in, and uh, we began to fix up around it, put a drain and uh, you know the water set up and everything like that, and uh, began to work on that thing. And then we took that swimming pool blue paint. The only thing swimming pool blue paint's good for is a Baptistry. You say, why isn't it good for a swimming pool? Because Christians ought not to be found in it. But anyway, the blue paint was good, and uh, we went ahead and painted that thing and uh, dressed it up, made it look really nice. It matches the church. Well, make a long story short, within 22 hours, the thing was completely finished, except for the drying. Everything was completely done, and probably about $500. I don't know if you've priced these different ministries of baptistries. Do you realize a baptistry will run anywhere, a cheap one, for about 1500 all the way to $3,500, and they say that's a ministry? You know, it bothers me that all these ministries are making buku money. It really does. And, uh, you know, I start to think for a moment a ministry is something that you don't charge for. Now think with me. The church has a Sunday school. That's a ministry. The church is getting ready to set up a, a servicemen home here. A ministry. The church has tapes where you can go ahead and uh, do the different taping. A ministry. Some of you have gone out to the field in a, uh, a lot of different places, and the church sent some tapes and maybe some tracks and uh, maybe a care package, many different things. A ministry. And It bothers me when all these different ministries begin to get rich quick. It really does. But that's just a pet peeve of mine, but uh, I'm just thankful the Lord allowed us to go in and for about two and a half weeks help a church that was in need of some help. While we was there, we was able to be an encouragement. You'd be amazed our hours. Sometimes we stay up and uh, sometimes our bedtime's not till two, three o'clock in the morning trying to encourage, trying to be a blessing. Sometimes there's some pastors right on the edge getting ready to give up. And you'll be amazed what a little bit of edifying of the body of Christ, what it will do. You'll be amazed taking a Sunday school teacher and just sharing a little bit about how good God's been, how it would make all the difference in the world. We're thankful that the Lord allowed us to help small struggling churches in America. The book of Isaiah chapter 14 is where I'm drawing your attention tonight. And then we'll be looking in the book of Numbers chapter 16 also. Once when you found your places, if you'll stand with me, we'll honor the Lord tonight in our reading. The book of Isaiah chapter number 14. This evening I want to preach on this thought, the tragedy of going to hell. I believe one of the things that have been left out in many of our churches is the thought of the preaching on the subject of hell. It is interesting that the Lord Jesus preached more on hell than he did on heaven. It is interesting that the subject of hell came up more in the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and probably any other subject. And today, it's sad to say, but the church member that's been in the church for six years in the average Baptist church has only heard one message on the subject of hail. I begin to think on this subject, where there is no vision, the people perish as the thought of hell and what would take place because of the consequences of sin, as that's left out, could I say there's a lot of people in our churches that will die and go to hell though they've been baptized, though they join joined the church, though they've given money in the offering plate, they played the part of a church role. I believe we need a vision of the place called hell. And so tonight I want you to notice with me in the book of Isaiah... Chapter number 14, I know it's a familiar passage of Scripture to some of you, but there in verse number 9, if you notice, the Bible says, Hail from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirf up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth that have raised up their thrones, all the kings of the nations. All they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we are? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, the noise and the noise of thy vow, the worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. The book of Numbers chapter 16, I'm also drawing your attention there, and found there a very interesting passage of a person that was a, if I could use the terminology, a church member a person that worked in the tabernacle, a person that had an office, you might say, in the tabernacle. And if you notice in verse number 19 of chapter 16 of the book of Numbers, the Bible says, "...in Corinth gathered all the congregation against them unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation, and the Lord spake unto Moses." And unto Aaron, saying, Separate yourself from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be wrought with all the congregation? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Corinth, Dathan and Abiram. And Moses rose up and went unto Dathan and Abraham and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in all of their sins. So they got up from the tabernacle of Corinth, Dathan and Abraham on every side. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby shall ye know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own mind. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up, and all that appertain unto them. And they go down quickly into the pit. Then shall ye understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up. And all and their houses and all the men that appertained unto Corinth and all their goods, they and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit. And the earth closed upon them. And they perish from among the congregation. Father, tonight I pray that the Holy Ghost of God might work tonight in every heart and every life. Lord, tonight I pray you'll search every heart. Lord, there might be some different thoughts in the folks' mind tonight. Maybe deep down inside some are thinking I was baptized many years ago. There might be some thinking, well, because mama or daddy or because grandma or grandpa was a Christian, surely I can go to heaven. Father, there might be some thinking tonight that I'm really a good person. Father, I pray tonight the Spirit of God might convict souls and show the need of a Savior tonight. May the Lord Jesus Christ be high and lifted up. And Lord, we'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated this evening. As I mentioned the subject of hell, I am reluctant in many ways of speaking on this subject. I understand some folks get upset. And as I think on this particular subject, I had one person come up to me and say, Brother Aguiar, you ought not to preach on the subject of hell due to the fact it might scare our children. Could I say tonight, I believe it's very needful that your children know about the place called Hale. Now, I will say this, I do not preach a message in any way to scare folks. I do not believe that salvation is needed. Now, don't get me wrong, I believe it is needed, but I don't believe that we should get saved just to escape hell. But I want you to realize with me, salvation, what it is, is being with the Lord Jesus Christ and God Himself. And those that do not believe on the Lord will be separated from God in a place called hell. Could I say the worst thing that could ever happen to a person, and I'm saying it tonight, is to be separated from God. The punishment of being separated from God is burning in a place called hell. But could I say the greatest tragedy, the greatest thing, the worst thing, is to be separated from God Himself. And that place is a place called hell. I begin to think for just a moment in the passage of Scripture. And as I preach this subject, some people say, well, Brother Aguiar, is it really needed? Had a young lady, she mentioned that she doesn't want her children to know anything about the subject of hell until they become teenagers. Could I say it might be too late? I believe that the Spirit of God works with folks far before the teenage years come along. I really do. I start to think for just a moment, and I ask you this question, do you want the truth tonight from the Word of God? I begin to think on this subject, and as I do, I begin to think if I had a problem with my automobile, and not not uh, recently, I had a problem, and I couldn't figure it out, took it to a few different, you might call them backyard mechanics, they couldn't figure it out. Finally, because of that problem, I ended up taking it to a dealership. And the dealer went ahead, the different ones, the mechanics that have studied in the field of mechanics. The ones that have went ahead and studied in the proper field of mechanics where they can go ahead and look at things maybe a backyard mechanic would never think of. And here as they've went ahead and studied in the field of mechanics, I wanted that person to be as honest and truthful with me as possible. I did not want to be lied to. I did not want to be deceived. I do not want to be connived in any way. But as that mechanic has studied in that particular field, I want him to give me the truth as he has studied in the field of mechanics. If I was having some legal problems and and the different matters begin to come up, I would then go to a person of the law that has studied the laws of our land, the laws of the city, the laws of the state. And as I would go to that person, uh, that lawyer type of person, I would begin to tell them the situation. Now I'm honest with you, I do not want a lawyer to lie to me. I do not want him to deceive me. I do not want Him to connive with me, but as He has studied in the laws of our land, I want Him to give me the honest truth as He has opened and studied the laws of the land. If there was a medical problem found in my body, I would then go to a doctor and I would then begin to tell the doctor some of the symptoms or some of the pains, whatever it might be. Now as that doctor has studied in the field of medicine and as he has different specialties, as that doctor has studied in that, I would not want a doctor to lie to me. I would not want him to connive, to deceive me. But as he has studied in the field of medicine, I want that doctor to give me the honest truth. Tonight, if it's very important that a doctor gives you the truth, if it's very important that a lawyer gives you the truth, if it's very important that a mechanic gives you the truth, so it is tonight when I come to the house of God as the man of God has studied the message of the Word of God. I do not want him to go ahead and connive with me. I do not want him to deceive me. But as he has studied the truth of the sacred book, the Word of God, I want him to give me the honest truth on the subject of hell. I begin to think about this, and in talking about the subject of hell, could I say what hell is not? Some folks and some religions teach that hell is the grave. Could I say tonight, hell is not the grave? A verse found in the book of Proverbs, talking about the rod, that if you uh, uh, beat that child with the rod, you'll deliver his soul from hell. But I want you to know children still die. So it is, it is noted that hell is not the grave. Could I also say, hell is not this life on earth. Listen, you might have had a rough life. You may have had things to come in your life. You may have had tragedies. You may have had disappointments. There may have been things that tonight you would not even want to discuss, even talk about. It may have been a rough life, but I want you to know hell is far worse than what this life can ever offer to you. Hell is far worse than the worst person living here on planet earth. Hey, I want you to know, hell is a horrible place. Could I also say tonight, hell is not an annihilation. A lot of folks think, well, if I die and go to hell, after a little bit of time, I will burn up, or whatever the case might be, and then it's over. But could I say and submit to you tonight, from what I found in the Word of God, that hell will go forever and ever, and the souls that go to hell, they'll stay there forever and ever, living and burning for all eternity. I also think for just a moment, hell is not a purgatory. And that after a space of time when somebody maybe can do something that might appease God, that might go ahead and make God happy, perhaps by a prayer or or, uh, uh, some type of special sacrament or or some type of, uh, uh, of event that could take place, that that person then can earn away out of the place of hell. Hell is not a purgatory. A few thoughts on the subject of hell before we even get into the message that Jesus made known about it. In Matthew chapter number 10 and verse 28 where he says, And fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He also made mention in Matthew chapter number 18 and verse 8 and 9, Wherefore if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into light, halt, or or maim, rather, having two hands or two feet, to be cast into everlasting fire. He said, if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is better for thee to enter into life with one eye, rather, having two eyes, to be cast into hell fire. I begin to think for just a moment. In, Rome, in Revelation 14 and verse 11, how the smoke of their torment have sended up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast in his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Could I say hell is an awful place to go to. I begin to think for just a moment on this subject. And chapter number 16 is very interesting in the book of Numbers. Here we have a live account of a man that died and went to hell. You remember the story of Korath. Time would not allow me to go into his entire life. But Korath was one of the ones that would help to set up and take down the tabernacle. Korath, we could call, uh, call him as a very religious person. He had a spot there with the, with the religious people. He would go in and maybe set up different parts of the tabernacle. Many of you remember the children of Israel journeying in the wilderness. Everything was in a portable sense. Coreth was one of the folks that helped set up the tabernacle. I begin to think about Dathan and Abraham, also different ones that helped to take part. And here it is, religious people dying and going down. The Bible says into the pit, literally going down to hell. You say, Brother Aguiar, I I thought religious people go to heaven. No, I believe there's many religious people found in the place of hell. Just because a person's religious, that doesn't mean they know Christ as Savior. I began to think religion is probably our worst enemy tonight. The Muslims are religious. The Catholics are religious. The Baptists, many Baptists are religious, but religion will not get you into heaven. I believe very personally that many folks will miss heaven by simply 18 inches. That is from the mind to the heart. Many folks have a knowledge of God, have religion found, but there there's no relationship with the Lord Jesus. But here we find Corinth going down alive into the pit. The Bible says, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to those that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded their minds. There's two types of people, you might say. There's those that are found, and there's those that are lost. If you was to take the word lost, make perhaps an acrostic, that is the letter L, the letter O, the letter S, the letter T. We would find where the loss will go. You say, what do you mean? If it's not part of the the full message, I want to just I'm just giving you a little introduction. Here, the letter L. We would find the loss will go to a place of loneliness. This thought that we would meet with our buddies and have a great party and go ahead and enjoy all the things that we want to enjoy and boy, we're going to go ahead and just have a party in hell, could I say it's so contrary to the Word of God. It is a place of loneliness. If you was to study the Scriptures even farther, not only would you find it a place of loneliness, but you would find it's a place that will one day be cast into a lake of fire. Very interesting thought here for all eternity to be in that lake of fire burning for all eternity. And this is where the loss will go. If we was to look at the letter O, we would find that there is outer Darkness. You say, Brother or what do you mean outer darkness? Could you just imagine not being able to see anything in front of you? Not being able to see anything on the side of you? But there, a darkness that you might be able to say can be found. Could you imagine being cast into a place of outer darkness? Could I say tonight, on the opposite side, those that know Christ, oh, it's a place of light, but hell is a place of outer darkness. You won't be able to see your friends there. You won't be able to see the different ones there. You won't be able to have your party that you've been bragging about so much. You'll be in a place of outer darkness, and there also the outcast. Could you imagine being cast away from God for all eternity? That's where the loss will go. I also notice that in the word loss, the letter S is a place of separation. A lot of folks they say, well, brother Aguirre, I'm never going to do, I'm never going to leave this person, this girl I love so much. Oh, she might be lost, but listen, we'll go to hell together. I want you to know you're going to be separated from her. I want you to know you'll be separated from everyone. It's a place of separation. It's a place of sadness. It's a place of sorrow. It's a place of smoke. Oh, this is the place that the lost will go. I think of the letter T. It's a place of timelessness. Many folks think, well, it'll get over after an hour. It'll get over after a day. Oh, surely after a week, surely after a month, surely after a year. But it goes on, it goes on, it goes on. A place of timelessness, the place called hell. From what we can find in the book of Luke chapter 16, it's also a place of torment. It's also a place of terror. Oh, tonight, the tragedy of going to hell. Could I perhaps use your imagination tonight? I firmly believe where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision of those lost and dying and going to hell, I believe the people perish. Tonight, could I say to Christians, we need to get a vision. We need to get back on the firing line. There's some folks slipping through our hands every day because we don't have a vision of those dying and going to hell. And for the lost tonight, could I say it would be good if you could just get a vision of the place of hell. You say, why? Because you'll want to change your eternal destiny. I began to think if it was possible, I know it's not, but if it was possible, if tonight we all could get on a bus and go down to the place of hell like a tour would go, and if we could go ahead, I know it's not possible. I understand that. But tonight, if I could use your mind, and if we could go and begin to look down there in the place of hell, if we could begin to take a tour, and hear the tour guide takes us through, and he begins to show us the different places found in the place of hell, there may be the crevice of the rockers. Those are the ones that sang a rocky song. Had a, uh, had a different God. Went ahead and worshipped the, the God of money, or the God of materialism, whatever it may have been. But no longer are they crying out. Or singing out a rocky song, but they're crying out, He's Lord of lords and King of kings, talking about the Lord Jesus. But it's too late for them tonight. If we was to look, not only would we find the crevice of the the rockers, we would find the crevice of the rebellious. Perhaps it started back at home with mom and dad. Then it went to the teachers. Then it went to the police officers. Then it went to the different ones. Always rebelling and rebelling and rebelling. Oh, and I want you to know God looks at rebellion just as a sin of witchcraft tonight. Imagine the crevice of the reprobates. Those are the ones that went even against nature and did the things the Bible says that were not convenient. Hell's a horrible place. but I wonder tonight if maybe we could take that tour. I know it's not possible, but could you use your mind with me? What would be what would it be like if perhaps we could maybe talk to some folks down there? I wonder what would it be like if maybe here comes a man. He comes staggering around in the place of hell. And if we could get the lights on for just a minute. If we could maybe talk to this person. If we could go ahead. And as Isaiah mentioned about the worms, I personally believe that the worms are spread over thee. As Isaiah chapter uh, number 14 makes mention. Imagine as he takes his hands and he wipes those worms off. And we say, just a moment, sir. Just a moment. We're here. We're taking a quick tour of the place of hell. Sir, could I ask you a question? Who are you? Why are you here? And as this man goes ahead and looks at us, and as he looks, there's the look of terror found on his face. And he begins to say, you want to know who I am? My name is Agrippa. I said, Agrippa, wait a minute. I believe I read about you. Are you the same King Agrippa that one day had that great missionary come in? And he expounded the Word of God. Took you from the book of Genesis all the way up to the resurrection of Christ. Told you all of how to be saved. Are you the same one? And he begins to say, yes, I'm the same King Agrippa. And I'm now scratching my head. I said, King Agrippa, I don't understand something tonight. King Agrippa, tell me something. Why are you in hell? And Agrippa looks at me with the look of terror. And as he looks on with the look of terror, he says, I'll tell you why I'm here in hell. Because I was almost persuaded to be a Christian. Do you realize with me tonight, we have a lot of folks in our churches, they're almost persuaded. Hey, listen, you're almost persuaded to go ahead and get saved. You're almost persuaded to give your life to Christ. Oh, but there's something holding you back. There's something that's keeping you there. And I want you to know, you stay in that spot of being almost, and you'll die and go to a place called hell. We wander around for just a moment if it was possible. I wonder if we was to ask the next person we see. Coming over, he falls down. He gets up. All the screams, the torment that he's in, the pain that he's in. We say, sir, excuse me. For just a minute, could I have a little bit of your time? Who are you? Sir, we're here. We just want to find out why folks are here in hell. Could you imagine with me as this man looks at me, he says, you want to know my name? I said, yes, sir. He says, my name is Felix. I said, Felix wait a minute, I believe I read about you also. Are you the same Felix that one day had the Apostle Paul preach to him? Are you the same one? He went ahead and and gave you the gospel like he did another person. He said, I'm the same one. I said, Felix, I don't understand it. You had the missionary of all missionaries stand before you. If anybody could give out the gospel the uh, proper way and give the invitation for a person to say, surely the Apostle Paul was a good missionary. I said, Felix, I don't understand it. I cannot understand it. Why are you in hell? Imagine Felix as he looks at me with a look of terror also found on his face. He said, I tell you why I'm in hell, because I waited for a more convenient day to be saved. You know, we got a lot of folks here in our churches. They want to go out and sow the wild oats of sin. They want to go ahead and get uh, have the fun in this world. And they know that if they get saved, hey, a Christian comes out from among them and they're separate. Hey, and listen, Felix waited for a more convenient day. It wasn't convenient for him to get saved that day. Even though the Holy Ghost of God, I believe, beat on his heart and begged him and asked him to come to Christ, Felix was waiting for a more convenient day. But I'll say this, it never came. Some of you are saying tonight, well, when I get a little older, I'll get saved. Some of you are saying tonight, maybe a bit longer, I got enough time, I'm a young person. I have enough time, there's no problem with my body, I'm in good physical health. And you're waiting for a more convenient day. Could I say tonight, if death came this evening, you'll die and go to hell. We wander around for just a moment. If it was possible to see the different ones. If it was possible for us to make the tour, Here comes a man. Sir, what are you doing? Sir, what's your name? What are you doing? He says, my name? I'm Pilate. I said, are you Pontius Pilate? I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm trying to get the blood of that innocent man off my hands. I said, Pilate, wait a minute. Could I ask you a question? He said, what? I don't understand it. The Lord Jesus Christ came to you. You remember that day that He stood there before you. You looked over. You had every person to come in, tell everything they knew about Him. And you even told the people as you looked before the people, you said you found no fault in them said, I remember that. Pilate, I don't understand it. Why are you in hell? As he looks at me with a look of terror on his face, he says, I tell you why I'm in hell. It's because I feared the people more than I feared God. You know, I begin to think for just a moment how many people are fearing people And they would get saved, but those people have such an influence on their lives. You're more concerned about that higher official that you're working with than you are about God. You're more concerned about that one that might go ahead and give a promotion, but my, if you get saved, start living your life for God, maybe they won't give you the promotion. And to be honest, you've been gambling with your life because you fear God the people more than you fear God. It might be tonight that there might be a young person and you're thinking, well, what will my friends say? What will that boy, what will that girl, what will the different ones that I'm around, what would they say? What would the kids in the neighborhood say if I truly got saved by the grace of God? And my, you fear the people more than you fear God. I say tonight you continue to fear the people and you'll end up in a place called hell. There's many others there's corth perhaps he said I just wanted the position perhaps there's some like unto Judas that says I just wanted the money Perhaps there's other ones, maybe uh, uh, like Cain, that said, well, I just wanted to have it my way. I didn't want to go God's way. I wanted to try it my way. And many folks in our churches tonight, they've tried baptism instead of coming to Christ. they tried joining the church. They shook hands with the preacher. They went ahead and had everybody come by and shake their hand. But they've never been saved by the grace of God. What a tragedy to die and go to hell parable was given by the Lord Jesus Christ as the supper was made and folks were invited and yet some said well I would come but I've just bought a piece of land and you know what amazes me about different ones that will put a materialistic type good before the Lord well, you know, I got to go ahead and work on Sunday, and it's not right for a Christian to work on Sunday. And I know that, and like, you just don't understand. I, I, I just got to have that piece of that house and and that material goods and all the. And one person said, "Well, I bought five yoke of oxen." You'll be amazed how many folks want to just cruise up and down the road with a brand new car and show off. Hey, listen, and there and there's some. They said, "Well, I married a wife." There's some folks that are allowing uh, uh, that mate to go ahead and stop them from coming to Christ. Maybe a boyfriend, maybe a girlfriend. But I'm saying tonight. One day you'll go ahead and die and go to a place called hell. What a tragedy to die and go to hell. What a horrible thought. Hell's so horrible, a place of suffering. One day all those that are in hell, and could I say hell at one time, the Scripture says, have enlarged herself. I often wondered on this thought, And by no means am I being mean, but on the 11th day of the month of September, I wonder if hell enlarged herself. I wonder in 1912, when the great ship that was unsinkable began to go down and many folks died, I wonder if hell enlarged herself. I wonder tonight about many others that have gone on to a place of hell. But there's going to come a day when one day the flames of hell, people will come out. You say, Brother Aguiar, people will come out of hell? Yes, according to the Word of God. In the book of Revelation, chapter number 20, and there in verse number 14, the Bible says, "...and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in the hell. I want you to know, one day the people will come out of hell, but when they do, they'll stand before an Almighty God at a great white throne judgment. For there John said, "...I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God." And the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of the things written in the books. And the Bible mentions in Revelation, chapter 20, And verse number 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Could you imagine with me as the book of Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 13 as the king said to the servants, bind them hand and foot and cast them into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Imagine there you stand. You may have been a church member. You may have went ahead and got a baptism certificate. You may have even went ahead and went through Sunday school, got all the promotion, but you have never been saved and the king will have your feet bound. He'll have your hands bound and there it is that angelic being will take you off on the edge of eternity. Eternity, it seems like. And then the Bible says He'll cast you into a lake that burns with fire and there for all eternity you'll be there. You say, Brother Aguiar, that sounds horrible. Can I say tonight what will be sad if a person here in this room, here in the message, tonight would turn a deaf ear and reject the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. The tragedy of going to hell. My heart is saddened over different ones that's gone. I think of a grandfather back in the 70s, or back in 1981, I believe it was, the month of July. A grandfather that was ate up with cancer I think at the time when we came back from Germany, I was a new Christian. The Lord called me to preach over in Germany. And mom and dad, they, they went somewhere and they left me there with my grandparents. My grandmother was saved. My grandfather lost and held down. I was preparing a message. And somehow I got off on the conversation with my grandfather. He wanted to know what I was doing. So I went over there with my Bible and with the message I just prepared. And I took my Bible and that message and I sat down with my grandfather for about 20 minutes. I shared with him a message that the Lord gave me. I shared with him and told him about the love of God and how God will go ahead and take the vilest sinner and make him clean. I told him about how Paul said that he was the chief of sinners and that Jesus can save the chief of sinners. And I remember asking that same grandfather that I loved so well. I said, Granddaddy, won't you come to Jesus? I remember as I looked in his eyes, and even though there, it seemed like there may have been water in his eyes, could I say, that's not salvation? But he says, Dale, I'm glad for you. But just not now for me. In the month of July of 1981, we was in Natchez, Mississippi at a missions conference, missions institute. We got a call from my grandmother that my grandfather passed away. Oh, our hearts were broken. We went ahead and went up to Virginia for the funeral services. We met my grandmother there at the funeral home. As we walked in, we all hugged Grandma. But I remember her telling me, she says, Dale, your grandfather, it was a horrible death. I said, Grandma, what do you mean? She said, "There, there was a nurse watching your grandfather. She no longer works in that ward because your grandfather went screaming into eternity. Oh, what a horrible thought. That was the year of 1981, July. Do you realize with me for over 20 years my grandfather has been still screaming? Do you realize with me tonight a person I love so well, a person that meant so much to me? And yet today after 20 years, 20 years and almost five months, I have a grandfather that's been screaming out because of the flames of hell. Could I say it's no picnic? the tragedy of dying and going to hell. I wish I could take you to different young folks that have died an early death. They thought they had many years, but they died and went to hell. I wish I could take you to middle-aged people. Just got a call the other day, and there it was. A pastor went ahead. And died. My dad went ahead and had lunch with a pastor there on Thursday. On Friday he had a heart attack. On Saturday he was dead by a heart attack under the age of 40 years old. Could I say death is no respecter of persons? And the wages of your sin, the wages of my sin is death. One day death will go ahead and grab its hands and literally choke out the very breath of life that I have. And as a memory verse was quoted on Sunday it's appointed unto men once to die but after this a judgment. Could I say tonight don't gamble with the subject of hell. As I preach the message I hate to leave people on such a offbeat or a bad thought. I've taken and used your imagination just a little bit. We've viewed just very quickly the place of hell. all a horrible place. But just for a few minutes, could I also use your imagination? And if it... I know it can't be possible, but if it was, could we jump on the same bus? Could we maybe instead leave that spot and instead of viewing the place of hell tonight, could I use your imagination? Would you go with me? If it was possible, and let's view the place called heaven. Would you maybe just take a few minutes and just begin to think as the Scripture says how eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that he's prepared for. Would you maybe just think with me as we come up if it was possible and there is a pearly gate. Oh, it's a bright city. We listen for a moment and there's the angelic beings as they're saying glory to God. Holy, holy, holy. Could you just imagine as the saints of God and we were looking at them and they're casting their crowns before the Lamb of God. Could you just imagine the rainbow And a rainbow is a symbol of promise. And I'll say this tonight all the promises of God are true. I want you to know He's never failed one promise, He's never broken one promise. Oh, there in heaven, when we get there, we'll see that rainbow representing the promises to be true. And in Him, as the Bible says, Amen. Hey, listen, it gives us something to shout about down here. But we see that rainbow. Oh, we begin to notice. And here comes somebody. They come walking down on that street of gold. And I will say this you search the scriptures. I encourage you to do this. There's only one street mentioned in heaven. The street of gold, it is not in a plural sense. It's always used in a singular sense. You say, what do you mean, Brother Aguiar? You and I, we're all going to live on Main Street. There's not going to be any side street. There's not going to be any back street. Hey, listen, we're all going to be on Hallelujah Street. We're all going to be right on the main thing there in heaven. Oh, imagine the glory that's there. But here comes a lady. She comes walking up. And I said, ma'am, uh, if it was possible, uh, ma'am, we're right here on a tour. We're just taking a quick tour of the place of heaven. Tell us a little bit. Who are you? Why are you here? And she begins to say, oh, well, many folks don't know my name. Most people know me as the woman at the well. I said, the woman at the well. She says, oh, yes, my life was deep in sin. My life was horrible in sin. But I want you to know one day I met the Master. One day I met the Lord Jesus Christ and He gave me wells of water that began to spring up in my soul. Oh, I trusted Him as Savior. I claimed Him as my Savior that day. Oh, what a blessing. This place is tremendous. Oh, could you just imagine with me? the beauty of heaven. We begin to notice here comes a man. He comes walking and then he comes running. He goes ahead and keeps on running. He goes down one side comes back the other. I stop him. I said, Sir, just a moment. I want to talk to you. Who are you? Why are you here? And I begin to think for a moment. He says, Oh, well, most people don't know my name. I'm known as the crippled man back on the earth. I said, The crippled man. He said, Oh, yes. From the birth, I was crippled. I could not walk on my own. I had no way of help. There was no hope found in me. But one day I met the master one day i met the savior oh he laid his hands on me and now i'm able to run but more than that he gave me eternal life as i trusted him as savior oh this place is such a beautiful place about that time here it is i notice a man comes walking he has a beautiful robe on it's so white and clean and i i stopped him i said sir tell us who are you What's your name? Where? Uh, why are you here in heaven? Just imagine with me as he says, well, most people don't know my name. They just know me as the wild man in the tombs. I said, the wild man in the tombs. He said, oh yes, I was wild. I had the devil more or less living in my life. I was giving over, uh, uh, letting the devil run my life. And I lived in the tombs. I jumped in the fire. I went ahead and took rocks. I, I messed up my body. I brought scars. Oh, but you know what? One day, uh, there it is. I met the Savior. I met the Master. He went ahead and cast. Those devils out of me, and I went ahead and received him as Savior. I fell at his feet, and you know what happened when I fell at his feet? He said, What's I said, What's that? For some reason I didn't want to be naked anymore. For some reason I wanted to be clothed. And you know what? I got clothed, and when I got to heaven I found out I still can be clothed. Oh heaven is such a beautiful place. It's such a wonderful place. Here comes a man, and he as he's walking, he's whistling a tune. I said, sir, I know that tune. I said, but sir, who are you? Why are you whistling the tune? He says, Well, my name is Mr. Blind Man. I said, blind, oh yes. He says I was blind. I was not only blind physically, but I was blind in sin. My life was so dark physically, but it was so dark spiritually. Dark with the things of this world. Dark with the ambitions of the world. Dark completely from the things of God. But one day I met the Lord Jesus Christ. And as He went ahead and gave me my physical sight, He also gave me my spiritual sight. There I went ahead and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And it's true tonight about the song, I was blind, but now I see. But could I say tonight, as that blind man might sing it, I can also sing it. I was blind, but tonight I can see because of the grace of God. But the wonder of all wonders, the glory of all glory, as we get up there to heaven, it won't be the blind man. It won't be the man among the tombs. But it'll be the one that died and gave his life for me. Could you imagine? Just picturing the Lord Jesus Christ as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Oh, tonight, heavens! The heaven is a beautiful place. Could I ask you a very personal question? Why will you die and go to hell? when tonight God offers you eternal life in heaven with Him? Why will you die and go to a place of torment, a place of loneliness, a place of separation, a place of timelessness, when tonight you can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior of your life? Hell from beneath is moved to meet you the tragedy of going to hell.